0: You're inside the C-suite, the journey. My name is Glenn Friedman. I'm the CEO of Prager Medis International, a full-service accounting and advisory firm. I'd like to thank our sponsor, NJBA, and today I'm joined by Mike Zaremski, the CEO of Prager Medis Human Capital Solutions, and Dennis Miller, the founder and chairman of DCM Associates. Welcome, folks.
1: Great to be here, Glenn. Welcome, Glenn. Pleasure being here.
0: So let, let's kick it off. Let's kick it off with, with a sort of, you know, tell, tell me, Mike, you know, where did you start out? Where, where, where were you raised?
1: I started out in accounting. My roots are with uh, big four, uh, public accounting, uh, went to school, you know, was a computer science major. Ultimately, um, they kept changing technology. So I decided, you know, something, this is crazy. What I'm learning is antiquated. I went into the accounting field. Because everybody has to uh, count the numbers, right? We all need a scorekeeper, and uh, ultimately progressed into HR and recruitment, and uh, partnered up with uh, Prager Metis uh, a little over three years ago, and currently run a full-service boutique recruitment firm within the CPA firm.
0: Uh, were you born with a silver spoon, or uh, went to Harvard, Yale? I mean, what's your background there?
1: I went to Kingsborough Community College to start off, and I was a night student. And then uh, once I got to the associate's level, transferred over to Baruch to, to complete my degree in accounting, I self-paid self for my education and really, uh, you know, funded it myself and uh, directed myself with not much guidance at all, unfortunately.
0: All right. So there's hope for the rest of us, huh? Yes. <laughs> okay, and how about you, Dennis? Where were your beginnings?
2: I kind of uh, was a late bloomer in life. but I didn't finish college on the until I was 28. But at that point in time, and I, I realized I wanted to have do a doer job that had meaning to me. I didn't want to just make widgets. And the idea of healthcare being helping other people was something that came to my mind. And make a long story short, I pursued that and uh, got into graduate school at Columbia and, and the health administration, health and policy, and. I uh, spent, you know, first couple of years in healthcare finance and worked for Ernst and Winnie in the consulting group and then became a CFO and CEO at a hospital and, and just kind of went from there and eventually, you know, became a uh, the president CEO of a major medical center foundation in New Jersey and uh, spent, you know, 25 years in the healthcare field until I had an opportunity to do something different and uh, wasn't sure what it was going to be and somebody uh, from a large nonprofit investment, how do I build my board and how do I raise all this money and how do I build leadership teams, et cetera, and I, this idea, like a light bulb and off, and I created uh, my company, which wasn't a company, it was me. Uh, you know, today, DCM Associates is a national firm. We do executive search for C-suite individuals as well as provide a whole host of uh, executive leadership and board uh, performance evaluation assessment tools and we have a team of uh, 12 fabulous people that we do great work for them.
0: That's interesting so Dennis you said something very uh, interesting in, in that statement and um basically had maybe some false starts in the beginning it took you a little bit of time to find yourself uh, is that a fair statement? I, I think so uh, more than that
2: I mean I I've uh, chronicled uh, my life story in a, uh, an autobiography I wrote, are and uh and Michael, uh, about five years ago, and then it came out and it was going to be published last year. It was called, it's called Mopping Floors as the CEO. I'm hoping for some happiness, and success. And my true story was even though I, I was a Washington football player in high school, leading the play, uh, MC, the variety show, kind of a funny guy, um, I didn't do well academically, I didn't get into any college. I graduated near the bottom of my class. I was ashamed that I uh, you know, grew up sort of emotionally abused and physically abused and traumatized and that had a big impact upon me academically. Um, like Michael, I did get on to County College and that was a that was a good experience for me to have that, but I just struggled uh, through no parenting. Um, you know, my mom was a good woman but she got depressed herself with abuse so I struggled. I was a 20-year-old self-admitted guy into a psychiatric hospital. Had a depression and despairing and went into a lot of programs. So eventually got the help I needed. And so that's when I went Mid out. Know, I lived in a YMCA at 24 clean bathrooms at Vermont Inn and got a room in a boarding house. So I, I didn't have the silver spoon that some people had, but I decided that I was going to mix up my life. And at 24, I decided, Dennis, you need an education. And I said, how am I going to get education? I got all rejected. These schools, I just wrote to them. I said, I really want to go to college. And I did. And I was very fortunate to go to Rutgers. And I graduated a Phi Beta Cap. And now my wife's nickname for me is Phi Beta. Like, hey, Phi Beta, did you forget to use the remote control the way I taught you last week? Or, hey, Phi Beta, did you leave the car keys in the hotel room? when we just landed at a different airport, that kind of thing. And so I had a tough beginning, Glenn, but I think. Yeah, you know, that enabled me to kind of appreciate the life I have, and the friends and colleagues, and the wife I have, and two kids, congrats, and So I really appreciate my life.
0: So education obviously played an important part in both of your lives. Um, do do either of you think you could have been where you are today without education?
2: i uh, let for me. No, I because I, no, I knew that I couldn't get the jobs I wanted without the, the, the
1: undergraduate degree, let alone a graduate degree, which was why I went. So. Uh, Mike to yourself I think so i I think it's invaluable. I think I probably wouldn't have been uh you know ultimately where I am now in in kind of the human capital slash talent field. uh you know i I studied accounting as I said earlier because I thought it was a safety net, and it is. I just wasn't a very good accountant. so I don't think I would have wound up here if I didn't start the journey through the academics and and ultimately uh as an accountant that pivoted um into the human capital arena hey
2: glenn i there's one experience that you both, both should appreciate this i remember
1: finishing graduate school near
2: the end and my mentor who was a guy named dr Lowell Bellin, he was a former commissioner of new york city i think on the a beam was a very well-known guy well-known family and he said to me that's listen you're a smart kid, but you don't have any experience. You're, you're selling tennis rackets at Herman's World of Sporting Goods, you know, and he goes, I need you. To, I want you to go meet Erwin Birnbaum up in Grove of He's the CFO. I said, for a job, he goes, no, no, it's just, I want you to call him and tell him I asked you to get advice from him. I said, advice? He yeah, don't ask him for a job, ask him for advice. But I said, I need a job, he goes, just do me a favor, call Erwin Birnbaum, tell me you, you want some advice about your career. I asked him for advice and got a job and I never forgot that to always ask for advice. And that was an amazing story that I got that uh, when you ask for advice, people more, more happily to give it to you. and not worry about the no and it led off to you know, my first job and then the rest of history. but asking for advice was a big, great thing that this guy gave me asking for
0: advice. That's great. Let me ask you this. How is hard work? Once you have the tools, once you have the education, How important is hard work to the process?
2: It's everything. I know
0: Mike. You know,
2: I tell people all the time. You know, wanting to change your life and actually changing are two very different things. And so, you know, there's no. I don't know too many silver spoons or or black magic pills, Glenn. And so, I'm sure Mike feels the same way. There's there's nothing that replaces hard work. I realize if I wanted to sort of, you know, give up the mop and the bucket and the vacuum cleaner at the hotel for the corner office. I have to work every day. I, but I enjoy hard work. I, I like working hard, and uh, but it's paid off.
1: Mike, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. One of my first mentors, uh, you know, when I when I got into the business of human capital was, you know, I, I was altruistic and he said, you know, this business is more about perspiration than inspiration. So not to temper your feelings on wanting to help people, but at the same time, it's the amount of effort you put forth is going to be the return that you get back. And, and it really resonated with me early on in my career. And uh, there's no gotcha. such. I'm sorry, I agree with Mike, client. Uh, I think,
2: you know, there's no easy path. There's no easy pill. It's like, you
0: know,
2: you can blame other people for your failures and blame this and blame that. But, you know, at some point in life, as an adult, you got to accept responsibility for yourself. And listen, I know—I'm sure Mike, might feel this, and Glenn, maybe yourself here—but I know this: here is that uh, life's not a straight course up. There's a lot of you know disappointments and and uh, discouragements and getting knocked down. And my joke is, I got knocked down so many times I lost my hair. But I, every time I got knocked down, I got back up again and and realized, okay, so I got knocked down and. Um, but after I got you know, shooken up and, and shattered, and my ego shattered or my emotions shattered, I realized, hey, you know, um, I was told, i never forget this. Uh, so a friend told me the best re- revenge is success. And so that was my motto. It's going to be, I'm going to be successful. And I just, you know, never look back. Never look back, actually.
0: <laughs> no, I agree as well. I, I find that hard work for a lot of uh, your, your personal shortcomings, if you will. Um, what, what about this is the notion of work smart? Where does that fit into this?
1: I think you have to do both. I mean, I think you have to work hard and smart. If you're working hard, but you're not efficient and you're not trying to streamline or, or improve your processes uh, and, and make things uh, more tangible in terms of getting a return, uh, it's kind of like the hamster running on the wheel. You really never get anywhere. You're running, running, running. You're working up a sweat, but you're not making any progress with for forward movement. So that, at least that's my take on it. Dennis, what are your thoughts? progress I, I, you know,
2: I always, and throughout my career, I've always had that, what do I have to get done today? And you always have to remember the important issues, but you can get sidetracked on a lot of issues here. And people calling, I you know, even today, you know, you get the phone calls, the emails. But I know, like, today, i got to get this done. So I always have a couple notes, you know, it's been my iPhone. So I think you have to work smart. I think there's something else, though, that differentiates people that have been successful. Is they, I think, Glenn, uh, and actually Mike probably agrees. I think there's two things that you have to have today to be successful. I think a high level of emotional intelligence. I don't think it's intellectual. Intelligence. I think it's emotional intelligence. I remember, believe it or not, I, my joke is, you know, if Mrs. Fritz, my seventh grade English teacher, English teacher knew I wrote two sentences together, she'd have a heart attack. If she never wrote five books, she'd have a heart attack. But I, in my first book about a guide to achieving new heights, the four pillars of successful nonprofit leadership, the first pillar was relationship building. And I don't know anybody who's successful, who's not able to build a relationship inside and outside the organization, be that res- res- respected, trusted, have credibility, that comes with uh, consistently making the right decisions in the best interest of others. I think being able to react to people emotionally and, and or not react to them emotionally and stuff. But I think EQ is is, is, is where it's at these days, it's not IQ. Um, I know I don't have my IQ, but I can't win in, I can't win in Jeopardy to get my butt kicked, uh, unless it's sports
1: the U.S. cities. But I, Mike, what do you think? I think EQ is really important to me. No, I definitely think it is as well, and 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 the other thing you said, relationship building, really building relationships, being mindful, caring about your clients, caring about candidates, you know, just just caring in general and overall, but also knowing when to spot the red flags and, and other yeah. issues that potentially go along with the process. And the other
0: thing, glass. I'm sorry, because
2: I think you also have to be in a situation of prepared when you have to make a tough decision, and sometimes tough decision means, you know, letting someone go. And I, I, I never enjoyed terminating somebody, but I had to do it at times. And um, but then you give someone else an opportunity to to, to step up and play. So it's, you know, well, it's all well out here, but okay.
0: Well, let me ask you this: you've all, you've opened this door to EQ, and I think EQ and relationship building is huge, right? Um, we, we all, I mean, we're, we live in a society. It's all about people and culture. Tell me, um, tell me who your mentors were, because obviously nobody gets there by themselves. And, um, I, I'd like to hear those are your first relationships, right? Tell me what some of those were like.
1: Yeah, I have yeah, a, sure. a, a great mentor of mine when I got into the staffing business, uh, you know, told me about planning. And he you know, said a couple of things that resonated, but one of them was any road will get you there if you don't know where you're going. And it was in the spirit of getting me to instill structure in my day to be productive. And it, it really was true. When I thought about that statement, uh, you know, one sure way to get nowhere is to not have a plan to get from point A to point B. So that, that was a key You know, nugget that I got very early on in my recruiting career that really still rings through to this day. I don't approach every morning by just getting up, getting in the seat, putting the computer on, and figuring out what I'm going to do then. Typically, I spend the night before planning out what activities I need to do to service my clients. And that, you know, that's just something that was very basic. But when you have a good mentor and they plant that seed, it really could resonate and stay with you throughout your entire career, which, which you know, that common and that philosophy has. I mean, for
2: me, early in my career, there was two people uh, that were hospital CEOs. Mike Azara from the Valley Hospital was a very successful CEO, had a fabulous personality, well regarded. And so I, I, I looked at him a lot as a mentor. Um, early on, John Ferguson, uh, probably the most successful um, before Bob Garrett at Hackensack, which was Hackensack Medical Center before the Merge World. Uh, John was a, was a mentor to me and he was very successful in how we built the organization. Um, and, you know, throughout my career, I mean, one of my best friends has been my wife. I mean, yeah, I've been married 40 years, but, I, uh, you know, she knows how to look at me and tell me, you know, get your act together. But I'll never forget this. this was, I was 34, Glenn, just became a dad. Uh, worked in New York City at earned some money for me, travel to New Jersey, and the, the commute was kind of getting to me, and I knew at that point, though, I did not want to be a partner. I mean, I just was not, maybe because I couldn't add after two and two was four, hardest so I could get, um, and I might have been able to get to six, but I, I couldn't get to seven, but I just wanted to do it in a hospital world. So I remember I applied for a job at a hospital as the head of, like, director of budget reimbursement, which was a big job back then other than CFO. And my wife said to she never interfered. She says, Why are you applying for that job? Because you can do that job with your eyes closed and you'll be bored in six months. And it struck me. She was right. And she was like, There's a CFO job down the street. I saw it in the paper this was before social media and everything. And I applied for the CFO job and I got it. And so that kind of confrontation, a nice way to, of being challenged was huge for me. But I tell you what, you know what? There are people throughout every day of my life, clients that I see dedicate themselves to a cause, uh, successful people in business uh, like yourself Glenn, and others uh, and, and Michael. Um, I, I'm blessed to have some fabulous people in our firm that have just been very successful and Give me so much joy and happiness every day to work with him. It's just a pleasure. So every day there's mentors. Um, there's every day there's mentors for me.
0: So now what Mike and I are to do is Dennis mentioned his wife and we didn't, Mike. So I know. I'm going to give he's you a out
2: of of myself, you. Mike.
0: Boy, he's good. He's really good. <laughs> Um, well, well, let me ask. Thing thing like when I got here. So every time I finish
2: speaking around the country, I, I write a book as my wife like, Did you mention the G? And so I got to mention the G. You know, it's uh, you know, my wife's name is Gladys, but we call it Lo, Seriously, because my oldest son, <laughs> 20 years ago, I know I told you this, was a successful songwriter, lead guitarist for a well-known at then punk rock band called Census bell toured the world, Jimmy Kimmel, Conan brian and one day he says, Mom. You know, we all met Jennifer Lopez and her mother and sister at this big party in New York City, and they're from the Bronx. And I told him, "You're from the Bronx." so I said, "Well, they got J Lo, we got G Lo." And i says, "Don't call me. That. I don't like it." Well, 25 years, it's been sucking. It's a G. Don't mess with the G. Don't piss the G also, just
0: So, you know Now uh, he just keeps going, right? Think about yeah. this guy. We're, we're we are in the doghouse now, Mike. So so anyway, let me ask you this. Let's make it a, a little bit controversial, right? Because People can't see us, but with three white guys, there's a lot of talk about white privilege and things along those lines, right? Um, We've talked about hard work. We've talked about getting an education. But was it always a clean road, or did did you guys run into any kind of racism or prejudice um, in your own lives?
1: You know, I, I... I would get a lot of stuff from people like. Grew, I grew up in a pretty tough part of Brooklyn, and I would get a lot of stuff for friends because I was going to school. It was almost like that. I, you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, go the civic service route, and I would get hassled about that. But compared to what people are faced when it gets racial and stuff like that, you know, I'm blessed to say, you know, that. Thank God that hasn't been too terrible for me at mm-hmm. least. Okay. yeah
2: i haven't well you know, I haven't, yeah, i'm
1: sorry uh um, i i didn't i didn't have that but i did have this year
2: and one of my hospitals i admitted to a uh like oh, i said i admitted to one of the top nuns that i was uh in psychotherapy and i think back that was in um stigma the early 90s and, and that uh was was um that was sort of frowned. that was stigma and it came back sort of to bite me. I think it had this image there. And I think um, that's why I kept her seat for so long. I, I tell you the truth, though, my wife, was, uh, who's Puerto Rican and Hispanic, uh, I see, discrimination yet, but her teachers in school thought she'd be a secretary. She never thought she'd be a doctor um, and a healthcare professional, which what she became as a phenomenal nurse practitioner. But I, as all I get, the more I see the discrimination that the people have African American, it just rattles me to no end, and, and, and just the discrimination about people that are immigrants, I mean, uh, you know, like my, my grandparents came from Ireland, they're potato farmers, you know, I mean, people struggled when they came to New York and New Jersey and Boston. I just find it uh, reprehensible today that, that the challenges that people have, and that are on so-called, you know, why I find it outrageous to me, to tell you the truth, that I find it just so taken back that there are people in this country that are just very hateful. I find it very
0: difficult. I totally agree. So, well, let's wrap it up with a little bit of a, um, advice for a young person who clearly, you know, we've kidded about this, you don't go to school and study um, CEO, you know, as a major. Um, give me some advice for people that that you think um, they could follow hopefully someday obtaining success in their lives or even being part of the C-suite. Mike,
1: why don't you take that? I think it's not, you know, what everybody thinks that it's a linear path or a lot of young folks coming out of school real think they have a perception, a misperception that it's a very linear path, but it could go in so many different directions. And the best piece of advice I, I offer to folks, especially people in university or just graduating is, you know, follow something you could be passionate about and you can see yourself doing long term. Not to say they couldn't pivot if their interests change as they get older or their life circumstances change, but it's never linear. And, uh, you know, my, my biggest thing is is go after your goals and they may change and you find different ways to attain those, as Dennis did with uh, uh, the most unlinear path to get to the, the suite of the CFO. You know if you keep pressing on and refocusing and changing your goals and your strategy, you'll get to from point A to point B. But there's no handbook, unfortunately. You know,
2: yeah. I, I would add to what Mike says I think a couple of things here. Um, I think today, oftentimes people lack self confidence and therefore they don't pursue things that they're capable of. And I, my advice to people that are young, a couple of things here really have a vision of your life. You're not going to get anywhere unless you kind of visualize that, but have a plan to kind of get there. But I would say this, try things, you know, try things in the work world, try things, do an internship. I did an internship actually when, uh, when my junior year of college was, I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. I like sports. I want to help people. And I was back then physically in, in bad shape, so to speak as a young man. But I did it for six months, and I just realized it wasn't for me. I didn't—that wasn't the work for me. So, but I'd say build, you know, building blocks one at a time. And if you here's something I want to leave everybody with: we have to get away from this thing that failure is negative. You know, failure is not bad. You learn from failure. You know, when little kids are, you know, growing up and they're two months old or six months old or eight months old or a year old, they start trying to get up and walk, and they fall down. They're not failing. I've learned every time I failed, we've got to stop thinking that success is, you know, the opposite of failure. I don't think so. I think it's okay to fail and move forward. from it. And here's the last thing I'd say to people also, maintain your mental well-being, because I've seen a lot of people who are successful, and we define successful, who are not happy people. But I've really met a happy person who's not successful. So kind of. Um, Pursue your dreams, um, build your confidence, um, learn what's going on in the marketplace, but but also have faith in yourself. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Just keep going.
0: So I'm going to leave you with a couple of um, Number one for Michael, I'm going to think and I'm going to credit him with this quote. Dr. King, I think he said that you can't climb a smooth mountain, and I'm paraphrasing, right? And I think that that, speaks to your linear comments and and dennis i I recently saw a documentary with quincy jones and he said that um it's really how you deal with the valleys, because the mountains will take care of themselves and i have to say you know for anybody that's ever played a sport i can't remember the last time that after a sport you sit there and rerun where you shot a goal or or where you you know scored a touchdown right it's always looking at the mistakes. And, and, and frankly, that's what you learn from. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we've all learned so much from our mistakes. And I, I think it's a, it's a great note to, to end on. because People should understand that you can pick yourself up and, and recover from mistakes. In fact, stronger than ever. So with yeah. that, I'd like to thank you both for joining us inside the C-suite, the journey. And uh, I appreciate your time good day.
1: Happy to be here, Glenn. Happy to be with Michael, too. Happy to be here, Glenn, with Mike. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Glenn. Pleasure to be with you guys. Take care.